Hey there, thanks for tuning into the podcast here today. This is a continuation of the conversation we had last week, which started with more of like the narrative and historical flow of Israel's history. We kind of drilled down deeper today in the Psalms, kind of looking at the flow of the Psalms, big picture. And then really towards the end, we get really practical and focus on what it means for us to be a people of worship in light of the Psalms, and then also a people that learn to lament well. Uh, and I offer a couple of practical ways to perhaps even write your own lament towards the end of this podcast. So if you can, uh, we'd encourage you to listen to the episode before this as it kind of builds off of what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, but all to say, uh, thanks again for tuning in and hope you enjoy the podcast. What I want to look at here is, so on, this is like 10.3, is to see the scroll of the Psalms. And I think one thing to kind of point out, I think that's helpful, is that, maybe just start big picture here. So the Psalms, there's a hundred... Maybe just start with language. You say the scroll of the Psalms. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So like when I go home and I flip open my Bible, I don't unravel it like a scroll. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I have pages. Pages. Yes. I have a book of Psalms or five books of Psalms. Uh, Where do you get this said scroll? Scroll. So yeah. So part of that um, is interesting because just even the fact that our Bibles are in a codex, right? So like they're bound pages together. Mm -hmm. That's fairly new technology. Sure. As far as human history like goes, Gutenberg. yeah, totally, yeah. right. So, for mo- yeah, for most of human history, writings like this were on scrolls, yeah. so papyrus or animal leather or something along those lines. So, it's just for me, it's just it's a way just to remind myself what I'm dealing with here is you know not necessarily a codex, but scrolls that have been put together intentionally, especially with the Psalms, and I think this is actually important as to how we read the Psalms. Mm-hmm is that, yes, a lot of the Psalms were written at various points throughout Israel's history. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are ascribed to David as being an author. Mm -hmm. But the way that they have been intentionally ordered and placed, Mm -hmm. the 150 of them, these different scrolls, or or there's five actually sections, main Mm -hmm. sections of the book of Psalms, kind of give us a window as to sort of the, the journey that I think God is inviting us into as we pray and worship and sing and, and mourn and yeah. lament. Like to they him. have a story. Or There's a story. To them. Yeah. So I think a lot of times we think of the Psalms as kind of like a hymn book where it's, oh, go to Psalm 82, yeah. go to Psalm 12, and it's just kind of this haphazard yeah. kind of thing when there's nothing, nothing necessarily no. wrong it with that. It totally can be used that way. Yeah. But what's interesting is when you get into some of the literary design of the scroll of the Psalms and how there's these five sections that work together. It's inviting us into God's story, and it's inviting us into a rhythm that where it ends with a bunch of praise at the end, but starts with a lot of kind of discomfort and yeah. questions. And well, in Psalm one is literally one. like, "Hey, if you want to be blessed, do this. Totally. If you, if you want to be cursed, do this. Do this. Yeah. It's like inviting you into these two ways. Yeah. And we're gonna get into this. So Psalm one and two in the last part of the Psalms, yeah. they're the two bookends. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the narrative flow of the five books yeah, cool. and kind of how it invites us into this journey as we kind of process our own kind of current moment yeah. um, with us. So kind of the first big point, though, is just to I want to invite people into seeing the Psalms as not just a hymn book where we just randomly look at the Psalms, yeah. but seeing it as one collection that's intentionally ordered as a way of actually reading and engaging yeah. um, with the Psalms. So to do that, the first part to point out is that Psalms 1 and 2 basically form the introduction sure. to the book. Yep. Um, Psalm 1 
uh, begins with this beautiful invitation of blessed are, is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or mm-hmm. sit in the seat of scoffers or go about the way yeah. of, of the unrighteous, yeah. but is, is a wise human who yeah. meditates on God's word yeah. day and night. And Psalm 1 then gives this picture of the person that meditates or the, the, the idea there is Hagah. It's to like, it's used elsewhere in the Hebrew Bible of like animals that are savoring mm-hmm. like a bone with mm-hmm. meat on it. So it's like trying to devour, not, not, maybe devour is too strong a word, but to, yeah. to savor and to yeah. enjoy every yeah. kind of piece of juice and meat. When my kids eat candy, yeah. they say, I want to savor it. Totally, yeah. So the other day, my daughter, we were going on a hike and they had ring pops. Oh, yeah, yeah. And... Josiah's ring stayed together. So he was able to savor his ring and it lasted the whole <laughs> the whole, the whole time. Totally. Claire's fell off. So she had to put the whole thing in her, in mouth, her mouth. And so it lasted about half as long half as long, she was yeah. mad. Because she's like, I wanted to savor it. <laughs> to do the whole thing. Yeah, totally. I wanted to like lick it slowly and yeah. enjoy it for the whole walk. The whole and, walk, yeah. yeah. Totally, yeah. And so this idea of, you read the language in Psalm 1 of meditating on God's instruction yeah. day and night. The, the idea behind Hebrew meditation is to savor and to delight and to even the idea of like whispering or talking aloud mm-hmm. these words and saying the, the scriptures out loud to yourself over and over. Um, it's inviting us into being a Psalm 1 reader of not just the Psalms, but of all of the scriptures mm-hmm. where it's the savoring, it's this reading over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my personal conviction is that the Hebrew scriptures and the, the scriptures in general are meant to be a lifetime of reading and reflection. They're, they're not just a one-stop shop. And Psalm 1 is inviting us into that pattern of meditating on these texts yeah. over and over again. And the the invitation comes with this promise, if you will, of this person, this wise person who meditates and speaks aloud over and over God's instructions day and night, becomes almost like this mini kind of Garden of Eden section mm-hmm. of, of, of their own life, where they become this tree that's this tree that's planted by streams of water that's bearing fruit. It's all garden of Eden sort of language. It's all this flourishing sort of language. This person that's anchored by the text, by the scriptures has this flourishing about them. And so that's the Psalm one introduction is inviting this type of reading, this type of reflection Mm -hmm. on the text. Psalm two comes alongside and is this very much this messianic, kind of kingly hope, mm. uh, looking forward to this king that's going to come, that's going to rule over mm. the nations. Mm-hmm. The Psalm 2 talks about why do the nations rage? Why do the, the peoples of the earth plot in vain? They're yeah. coming against the Lord's anointed one, but God's going to one day bring about this yeah. coming Messiah, this coming king. So that's yep. Psalm 2. So Psalm 1 and 2 go together as this introduction. And the way we know this it's an introduction is that they don't have any... Uh, sort of subscript at the top. Yeah. All the psalms that begin to follow will say a psalm of David or yeah. a psalm of the sons of Korah yeah. or something like that. So these two stand apart yeah. from the rest intentionally. of intentionally, right? And it's setting us up to be people who meditate on the scriptures day and night mm-hmm. and to be people that look with hope to the Messiah yeah. to come. And so that's how the introduction starts, Psalm 1 and 2. Um, I want to quickly jump to the very end yeah. of the psalms. That end with, uh, for Psalm, I think it's Psalm 146, I have it right in front of me actually, Psalm 146 to Psalm 150 is the conclusion of the Psalms, and they all end with this call to to praise. It's hallelujah is how we Mm -hmm. say it in English, but they all have this refrain of praise the Lord or praise Yahweh, hallelujah, hallelujah, throughout all of the Psalms, or throughout all of these these last five Psalms. Mm. 
And so what we're invited to is to see that this is a book of praise. This is a book to get us focused on worshiping who God is. Mm -hmm. But in between being people that are rooted in the scriptures, that look for messianic hope, and people that praise Yahweh, that praise God for all that he has done, is the journey of life. That's more than often up and down. It's not just a straight line um, across. And so you see even just in the conclusion of the book of Psalms, there's intentionality behind how uh, it's structured. Psalm 148 kind of stands in the middle of those last five Psalms as kind of being this climax of praising Yahweh, of praising God for who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but from there, it's, it's, interest, it's important to see then how the book overall breaks down into key sections and key parts. So you alluded to it earlier that the book of the Psalms, the scroll of the Psalms is in five different parts. Mm-hmm. And real quickly here, what, how we know that is after at the end of each section of the book, there's this, the same refrain. It's almost like a copy and paste sort of thing that's at the end of each of these books. So the first book of the Psalms is Psalm 3 through 41. Mm-hmm. And at the end of Psalm 43, you get this line, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, forever and ever. Amen and amen. Right? And so that will end book, book one, one of, of the yeah. Psalms. Um, book two is Psalm 42 through Psalm 72. The last few lines of the book, or, or of chapter seventy-two of the book of Psalms, have that exact same language: "Blessed be the Lord our God, forever and ever, Amen and Amen." Yeah, um, you can kind of see this on the notes. Psalm eighty-nine has that same language, which concludes book three. One hundred six. Yeah, one hundred six has that same language. Yeah. And then by the time you get to the conclusion of the whole book itself, it's the praise section. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you have here, I mean, you might just go, "Oh, well, that's interesting. Those are yeah. you know cool facts, whatever." They are cool. They are cool. I I love this. I love this stuff. Oh, I know. But what's important to see is that there is intentionality. Someone is talking to us, right? This is someone, this is going to be a really silly example. But you remember like in the office, you ever watched The Office? I thought you were going to go to Frozen again. No, no. Frozen, I think you were rocking Frozen in Star Wars is your Star Wars and then Frozen's, you know. Office. So The Office. You know, like in those scenes where... It's just like the normal, like they're talking, they're, you know, the regular, they're in an office, office, they're doing their thing, but then it'll cut. And one of the characters starts to talk to you directly, the audience, modern family, family, right? So there's these, you know, like whatever they, they just start talking right at you. A lot of these, uh, these are like little clues that are talking at us basically saying, okay, pay attention. There's intentionality with how this book is arranged. Um, and it's important because I think, like I was saying earlier, it's not just a random collection of songs that are put together, mm-hmm. but this is a, a group of people who have reflected over Israel's history, Israel's past, what they've failed at, what they've done well at, and God's faithfulness, and are inviting us into an intentional rhythm of bringing all of our pain, all of our emotions, mm-hmm. all of our hopes, all of our joys um, before God. Because what you have is throughout these these sections is you have clear indications that you know David wrote this psalm, which yeah. was years before the exile. Um, but then you also have psalms that later talk about Psalm one thirty seven. They, they, it's clearly written after the exile. Mm-hmm. By the waters of Babylon we wept. How can we sing yeah. Yahweh's song in a foreign land? So you have different time moments yeah. of when these were written, but the intentionality of how this was brought together speaks to someone at a later date has collected these together throughout all of the horror, all of the tragedy, throughout all of the pain that they went through and has intentionally placed these together as a gift really to us 
to reflect on throughout all of what Israel has gone through, throughout all of what we're going through. Yeah, the ups and downs. Of ups life. and downs. Right. There is a rhythm to yeah. how. This isn't just all those moments when you're hanging out in the church and you're smiling and yeah. shaking each other's hands and being like, man, life is good. Totally. Yeah. So, yeah, there's all these um, ups and downs. And even throughout, um, you can see on these on the notes here, there's mm. collections of collections within these books of the Psalms. You have the Psalms of Ascent. You have the Hallel Psalms. Um, the Psalms of Asaph and the Psalms of Korah, they're often mm-hmm. kind of grouped together. So again, there's these different collections within these yeah. collections, but they're all part of this. I want to get into kind of how this flow actually is meant to work or can work yeah. um, in a bit here. Um, but again, this is, again, we're talking about these beautiful texts yep. that are inviting us into the rhythm of, of worship and, and lament and, yeah. and all that, all that sort of stuff. Um, so just a couple important conclusions before I kind of take us to the next step here. Um, so it's not a random collection. It's meant to be a coherent book. We've talked about that. Um, the Psalms, I believe, were kind of given as, as a new interpretation in this post-exilic period after they've gone through all of the yeah. horror and all of the, the tragedy. That was intended to offer a, a way of using the Psalms as a way of reflecting and worshiping God th- because of all of the hardship yeah. that they've gone through. Yeah. Like this is a book. So they're shaped by that. They're shaped by. They're the, not in spite of it. Exactly. They're by it. By it. Yeah. It's like, it's through the tragedy. It's mm-hmm. through the tough circumstances that we have the gift of the Psalms yeah, for sense. us today. Um, the positioning of the certain Psalms is crucial. If we were to do a whole class on the Psalms, you could really go into like why certain Psalms are in certain places yeah. and how they fit together. They're not just, again, random chapters. And, you know, these Psalms were really important for Jesus. He's very much a lot of times quoting or alluding to the book of Psalms. These would have been the, I love Tim Keller's book on the Psalms. He calls it the songs of Jesus mm-hmm. as his way of talking about. These were the songs that Jesus would have probably grown up saying, sa- saying and praying yeah. um, in his own life. And it's just kind of fun to think about um, some of those, some of those things. So as we kind of go on here, I want to, again, we have, I have some more details as to the Psalm one and two introduction here. I don't want to necessarily repeat, you know, some of that. Um, but we have, again, a, a, an important introduction to the psalm, Psalm 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of goes on uh, with just talking again about the new Eden, the flourishing, all of that. That's the Psalm 1, the Messiah. Both of those themes are super important mm-hmm. um, to keep uh, talking about here. And then let me get down to, uh, where is it here? Okay, so the, the story, the rhythm, the pattern that we see here. So I have this picture of um, on the notes here. This is from the, the scene in The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, the C.S. Lewis book. When they're looking at the, looking at the painting. The painting and, and then the they ocean, get, and then the water starts. Eustace is with them. Yeah, whatever. yeah. Their incredibly annoying cousin. I think it's her cousin. Cousin. And the water starts splashing out yeah. of the painting. Of the and painting. And they just get unraveled, absorbed, absorbed yeah. into the story. And it's, I think what C.S. Lewis was trying to communicate there is like, this is a way of looking at, in particular, the Psalms too, mm. of just being in these texts, meditating on them, and being enraptured into mm. God's story and God's purposes. Um, and that's kind of just this uh, way that I like to think about mm. the invitation that I think God is offering to us uh, mm-hmm. with these texts. Um, and I have a quote from Bonhoeffer that's basically alluding to that that same point here. Um, but what we see here is this is kind of bringing together a lot of what we've talked about 
already, but specifically seeing how the book of Psalms fits into some of that pattern. So we've talked about, you know, like you have the Garden of Eden, sin and rebellion, some sort of exile where Adam and Eve are pushed out of the garden. You know, there's a remnant that's saved through the story of Noah. There's Mm -hmm. kind of a new beginning, but then often that leads to some more failure that happens. And so you have have this whole chart here on how that pattern gets repeated over and over and over again Mm -hmm. but when you get to the book of psalms you kind of have sort of the same sort of flow throughout a lot of the major sections of the book where it starts off with garden of eden like imagery there's this messianic hope Mm. but so many of like the laments and the confession psalms are in the beginning as to kind of signify like we're a broken people we're hurting we're longing but by the time the book kind of comes down the latter half of it it's more of like the songs of ascent, kind of rising up to the holy place, mm-hmm. entering into the presence of God. And by the time the book ends with the last five chapters, it's this praise and hallelujah of look how good God is. Look at what God is, mm-hmm. has done um, for us. So you can take a look at that chart and see um, some more details uh, with that. So when we go from right in this podcast, we're talking about, you know, Jesus, where are you? Yeah. We're talking about finding hope grounding rootedness truth god in yeah. the midst of the chaos yeah how do we take so like i feel like at this point so far in the podcast we're still at like yeah really big sure so how do we now get to for the person on the ground yeah like what am i supposed to do with this with this yeah totally and i think what I, there's two important things especially when we think about the psalms is cultivating a life of praise and worship and creating space for lament and questions and even doubt at times. Because I think the Psalms are inviting us into both of those. Mm-hmm. You see that in the life of David himself, mm-hmm. in his narratives in the book of Samuel. And then you see it specifically in the book of Psalms with all these different examples. And so mm-hmm. if you were to read through the Psalms, you kind of see this trajectory of, you know, how long, O Lord, is, is early on in the Psalms. Yeah. All of the laments, more or less, are at the beginning. But as people process and work through all those questions and all those longings, hmm. it it culminates at the end with a life of praise and trust in Yahweh, a life of trust or being one that's trusting in God. Um, and so specifically, I want to talk just about what it means to, to have a life that's um, worshipful hmm. and what does it look like to use the Psalms and to reflect on the Psalms as to cultivate our own worship to God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with seeing how the Psalms are constantly bringing us back to this reality that, that God is King, that God is faithful. It's bringing us back to these core attributes of who God is, his relationship and his love mm-hmm. for us, the Hesed, the covenant love of God. And so it's taking this, even like the section of Psalms, like there's the Yahweh reign Psalms from Psalm about 93 to Psalm 100. Mm-hmm. It's taking like a section like that and really doing the Psalm 1 reading and rereading of those texts mm. and letting those texts like the C.S. Lewis picture of staring at them where they just become a part of you yeah. and where you reflect on them, you go for a long walk, you think about those lines, you re-come back to them the yeah. next day yeah. and they begin to just be a part of your mm. kind of warp and woof of who you are yeah. as a human being. And so these truths that Yahweh reigns as king initially probably sounds like an abstract oh yeah check the box i believe that i know that but if we're to be psalm one readers of scripture it's inviting us into not just reading it once or even twice but a constant rereading and reflection so that we go on the psalm trajectory as a whole where we have the laments and the questions and the ups and the downs but by the end of the book 
it's a life of the last five chapters are praise and worship mm-hmm. and this great affirmation of trust. Yeah. Um, we've talked, me and you have talked a little bit about the frame that <coughs> Walter Brueggemann gives on the Psalms. So you have, he talks about orientation, disorientation, and reorientation, yeah. where orientation is basically things are well, things yeah. are good, check the box, you know, no complaints. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Disorientation is like, God, where are you? Mm-hmm. This is a, a complete disaster. This is a mess. I have no idea, you know, what I'm supposed to do. And then there's reorientation. The way that I've kind of heard it talked about and understand it is that reorientation doesn't just necessarily go back to the beginning no. as if things are all right. Yeah. But because of the disorientation, I am now reoriented back to God through the pain, yeah, through the totally. hurt, and through the, the trial. And I think even that simple frame is a way of seeing how the Psalms kind of work through that yeah. on a meta level. And there's many Psalms that do that individually as well, the orientation, yeah. reorient, or disorientation, um, and reorientation, um, and which leads to hopefully a life of praise and trust yeah. in God. Um, it's not ignoring the pain. I want to touch on the lament side of a bit yeah. here to kind of close this out. Um, but it's, it's, I have this on, um, if you're looking at the praise and lament in the Psalms this is where I'm hoping to get a little more on the ground, but I write here, praise occurs within the matrix of pain where it's not that pain and praise are necessarily separate, mm-hmm. but that it's often through pain. It's often through difficulty that we even have a deeper trust and a deeper joy and a sure. deeper praise and worship mm. um, for who God is. Um, so there's technically more laments in the Psalms than there are, as you want to classify them, totally. than as, as praise Psalms. And that speaks to just the reality of what it means to be human in a, in a broken world, mm-hmm. in a world where as Israel is collecting these Psalms together, they're recognizing that we're not living in the Garden of Eden mm-hmm. and that there's all of these ups and downs that we have to go through. Um, but I think it's, if I were to kind of boil it down to, to cultivate a life of worship and trust, God is inviting us not to a quick kind of, oh, just you know, flash the pan, turn the light switch on, but a rereading and reflection over Israel's worship songs here. If you want to talk specifically about the Psalms mm-hmm. and really cultivating that into sort of our inner, inner yeah. life. Um, but then the lament side of it, I think kind of often gets overlooked at times. And I think it's important, especially in a time of difficulty, in a time of tragedy, in a time of uncertainty, that there is, I would say it's like a lost practice oftentimes within, I think, especially modern, contemporary, kind of Western church. Because we often sometimes think of, and this might be an overgeneralization, but I think sometimes we think of lament as oh, you don't have faith or you're not trusting God. It's weakness, right? And we have this thing in American culture, like weakness is somehow like not good in a ways. But I mean, the scriptures are like, God's power is made perfect in weakness. weakness. Through weakness, yeah. Um, So I have just a few brief comments on lament here in the notes. But what I really wanted to kind of offer people was sort of a helpful way for maybe for them to process their own lament before God. Um, so I have, we have, I talked about Walter Brueggemann. I have some more notes on that, um, right here, but just to maybe close this out here, um, I have some examples of laments here in the Psalm. So Psalm 13 is a pretty famous one. The, the line of how long, O Lord, that gets repeated, not just in Psalm 13, but in many Psalms, um, Psalm 88 always stands out to me because it's one of the few Psalms that actually doesn't end on a positive note. 
Mm-hmm. The last line is darkness is my only friend. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's, just, it's a complete like Eeyore downer yeah. kind of song, but it's in the scriptures, yeah. right? And so it's, it's part of... Yeah. Well, it helps us to see that not every prayer has to end with, and God, you're awesome. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's just the reality of life. Yeah. Exactly. Most, most, I think, most of the Psalms do, and yeah. some turn. Sure. But there is room for, I'm still depressed. It's totally. I'm still afraid. Yeah. Uh, where are you? God? Where are you, God? Exactly. And I think there's this, oh, there's this line from, so Derek Kidner, he's a, has a commentary on the Psalms, and he talks about how the presence of these prayers in Scripture is a witness to God's understanding of man, God knows how we speak when we are desperate, hmm. and I think he's referring to the the, the lament psalms. Yeah. That when when humans are desperate, we say things that you know maybe our theology is not all perfect, or our trust isn't you know fully there, but God hears us. God is present with us, and we can say what's on our heart and bring that before God yeah. um, in a deep way. Psalm one thirty seven. I've talked about that before, just previously here, but I just love this line of how can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land. Yeah. In those moments where it's like, I, I can't do that. I can't, I'll, I'll just be completely like not honest or not real by singing right now. It's like, I, I just don't have it within yeah. me to do that. And you think about just being. And yes, dis- they are writing a prayer. We're writing a prayer. That's to the God thing. Saying, totally. I can't sing it, but, but I'm telling you, God, I can't sing and it. And that becomes the song. That becomes yeah. the prayer that we now have millennia later to reflect Which on. It's so powerful. And this is one of those key texts that show us that the Psalms are written or at least collected together, at least at the exile or after the exile, because it's part of this final, mm-hmm. final shape of it. And so it's how can we sing? How, in those moments of yeah. even our current That's situation good. of, you know, this is hard. This is difficult. I don't really know how I can really praise and trust right now. Yeah. And to just be with the, these poets that went through, you know, a horrific exilic experience of mm-hmm. being displaced brings a lot of comfort. So there's a couple examples I have right there. Um, but then I have kind of two offerings as far as maybe writing out your own lament yeah. by using current laments in the Psalms as sort of like a template. Yeah. That's kind of the, the idea. So there's there's two of them here. We don't need to go into necessarily all the details of all of them. So the first one is from Psalm 71. It's a little more detailed. Yeah. Um, at the top, I just have this, this quote from um, a, a, an author, a teacher, Andy Crouch. He talks about creative action begins with lament. Oftentimes it's as people process their pain or process sort of their emotions and their hurts, that new life and new birth yeah. begins to form. It's basically the death to life sort yeah. of pattern we see throughout scripture. And writing a lament oftentimes is saying goodbye to something mm-hmm. or saying there's a death to something that was before yeah. and there's going to be a newness that comes out the other side. Um, so there's Psalm 71 there and you can kind of just see how that flow works of these different uh, components within Psalm 71 and then beginning to write your own sort of prayer kind of inserting your own kind of words within yeah. that um, so that's one example kind of how you have the actual psalm and then you write your own um, the one that's maybe a little more simpler um, is Psalm 44 and this is another kind of beautiful lament um, you know where the the poet is just crying out to God just wondering where God is um, even accusing God of some things, yeah. you know, that, you know, might be a little question. There might be a little bit of question mm-hmm. mark there. One of my favorite lines in this Psalm is, is line is verse 23 of Psalm 44. Awake. Why are you sleeping? Oh God, mm-hmm. you know, like God, were, he's like, are you sleeping? Are you just not present at all? And sometimes I feel that in my own soul, like mm-hmm. God, where are you in a lot of this stuff? I mean, it's even what we've called this sort of yeah. you know, mini series. Where, right? yeah. where are you in this? 
And like to see that that is a biblical way to interact and come before God to process all of those things um, before him. And so kind of I have the Psalm 44 worksheet that I got from a friend from a friend. But it's just this way that he was trying to help his church work through kind of the emotions that they're facing yeah. right now throughout their own sort of exile, their own wandering, their own sort of wilderness yeah. sort of experience. And so he kind of takes Psalm 44 and then uses Brueggemann's orientation, disorientation, mm-hmm. reorientation here of talking about, okay, so write about the times where life was good. Write about and just reflect on those moments and kind of when things were going well. And then, especially in the disorientation section, when things go wrong, when things are lost, you know, where are the, the, the where are your laments and complaints that you want to bring before yeah. God, and just having a space to just pour out your soul awesome. um, within a, within that. And then, kind of the last part, this this appeal to redeem and to come and to God bring your goodness in that, and it's this affirmation of trust, where even though my circumstances might not be fixed, yeah. I still am going to choose to trust. I was reading even this morning in Lamentations, kind of right before that famous line of your mercies are new every morning, Mm -hmm. the line, a couple lines before it said, but this I bring to mind. And it, it almost made me think of here's the poet in Lamentations three intentionally shifting after Mm -hmm. he's been lamenting for chapter after chapter of all of the destruction that's been happening in Jerusalem and throughout all of his, his people, this, this choice I'm going to choose now to trust. I'm going to choose now to bring this before God and reflect on, God, your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Um, And so, I don't know. I just think that's just an important way to, uh, a healthy and biblical way to use the Psalms, not just rushing to the very end of the the book and seeing the praise and and the the joy that we need, hopefully can get there. But to, to go through the journey of the Psalms is to see that, it's the ups and the downs yeah. that go together. Yeah. Um, so you have creation, you have exodus, you have exile. Yeah. And one of the ways you're sort of talking about exile today is through the the frame of the Psalms. Yeah. And saying that one of the ways that we seek God in the midst of the chaos is we enter into the posture of the the psalm writer, yeah. the posture of the prayer person. Yeah. And that posture is diverse. Totally. There's yeah. a posture of, ah, oh, things are awesome, God, you're amazing. And then there's a posture of grief and sadness, yeah. but in both crying out to God. Totally, God. So the way, like, Jesus, where are you, uh, is sort of one frame. The other frame is to say, where are we? Mm-hmm. And in the midst of it, yeah. are we willing to go to God, whether we're in a good place or a bad place, yeah. a neutral place, wherever we are? Yeah. One of the ways we stay connected, one of the ways we stay rooted, one of the ways we stay grounded with God is continuing to talk. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And, and seeing, again, like you're saying, I love that. Just seeing the Psalms are inviting us to wherever we are on that spectrum. We talk a lot about center set, you know, at, at yeah. Wellspring here. Just, just even thinking about that and like your emotional state of wherever you are on that map, yeah. you know orienting yourself to Jesus That's and good. bringing those questions, those pains, there's hopes and those joys yeah. all, all to Jesus. So it's awesome. Yeah. Thanks Aaron. That's yeah. Super helpful. For sure. It's great. All right.